2: Hello and welcome to the How To Academy podcast, a new show for and about people who like thinking big. I'm Vas Christodoulou. The How To Academy was founded in 2013 to create a community celebrating the brightest ideas in global culture. Over the coming months, we'll be taking you backstage to meet the game changers we host in our programme of talks and debates in central London from economists to astrophysicists, Nobel laureates to Pulitzer Prize winners. It's a short, sharp dose of new thinking from some of the most ambitious and original voices around. So, if you believe in the power of ideas, but don't have time to read a hundred fat books to get a handle on the future of the world, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and let the How-To Academy be your guide. Our inaugural guest is a man on a lifelong quest to transform how businesses and NGOs are led. Simon Sinek has spoken on his ideas at the UN, the US Congress and global corporates including Disney and Mars. And last month he joined us at the How-To Academy. We sent LBC presenter Matthew Stadlin to go backstage and find out what makes a great leader, how digital technology is hijacking our brains and what Simon thinks happens after you die. Simon,
0: hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> there are going to be 2,000 people sitting in that hall in just a moment's time come to listen to one person and one person only, and that is you. Why should they listen to you?
1: You know, Groucho Marx said I would never join a club that it would have me as a member. Um, you, I think that my my work resonates because it's deeply personal. You know, uh, my work is semi- semi-autobiographical, and the 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 first book, Start With Why, was about my loss of my passion in my work. And the second book, Leaders Eat Last, was my challenge in forming trust at work. And I didn't know what trust. I was struggling to form the trusting relationships. And now my new work, The Infinite Game, is my struggle as an idealist who believes in building a world in which people can be inspired and fulfilled and feel safe at work. I think that's really possible when all of the pressures around us tell us no, you have to put yourself first. You have to make as much money as you can. You have to get promoted, and you have to quit or get fired, You know, get laid off. So all the pressures are short-term, and yet I, I think of the world differently. So my work is my own sort of stumbling through life. Um, and I think uh, because it's so deeply personal, and I, I set out to answer these questions literally for myself... Um, I think it resonates with other people who are struggling with the same things. And the power of why
0: to you is crucial because it's not just about what we do or how we do it, but why we do it. Why then do you do what you do?
1: To inspire people to do what inspires them.
0: And communication Mm. is key, clearly, Mm. to leadership. You've said so yourself. But you want leaders to listen. You're going to be going out there talking to all these people and you're going to be talking. Mm. So talking is also important.
1: Well, it's of course. I mean, I mean, I'm standing on a stage that I c- it wouldn't be very good if I was listening. Um, uh, but all my work comes from listening. You know, it's it's. I'm not. Uh, it's it, it's uh, standing on stage is not interpersonal. You know, um, and when we go to work, it is interpersonal. We have people who sit next to us and we talk to our bosses and we talk to clients. It is interpersonal, and. And those who master listening are better salespeople. They're better colleagues. They're better leaders. Better interviewers. Better interviewers. Um, uh, so, so listening is 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 the thing that creates stronger relationships.
0: Why leadership? What explains your fascination with leadership itself?
1: That's such a good question because it was never it was never my thing. I stumbled into it. Um, uh, I came from sort of the marketing world, and I thought. When I was first starting to look into the, into start with why, I thought I was writing a communication book. And as the work evolved, I realized that it's, it's great leaders that communicate a sense of purpose and cause, and that we, we feel a sense of belonging with the work that they do. But uh, I, st- it was, it w- it, I didn't intend for it to be a leadership thing. But the more I saw that these patterns existed amongst great leaders, I became fascinated with the people who inspire us. You don't have to have authority to be a leader,
0: do you? But you do have to have followers.
1: Leadership has nothing to do with rank or authority. I know many, many people who sit at the highest levels of organizations who who are not leaders. They have authority, which is why we do as they tell us to do, but we wouldn't choose to follow them, as you say. Um, And yet I know many people at lower levels of organizations that have little to no authority, but they've made a choice to look after the person to the left of them, and they've made a choice to look after the person to the right of them, and we would follow them anywhere. Um, Leadership is the choice to see that those around us rise, it's a responsibility rather than a rank
0: and how should leadership make us feel how should a good leader make his or her employees feel
1: well there's two questions there which is you know you said uh, how should how should a, a how should leadership make us feel there's a sort of a double meaning there right being the leader and being on the, res- the receiving end i'm of hoping
0: that. you're going to make me feel very good over the next 10 minutes um, or
1: so you know if we if we work for a good leader um, and for those who have had the luck of doing so you know it's you feel safe, you feel you're allowed to make mistakes, you have agency, you feel you have choices and control over your own work, um, you, confidence grows, you willingly uh, 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 want to take on more challenges, and you want to do well, not for yourself anymore, but you want to do well for your colleagues and because you want to make your leader proud, you want to make your boss proud, you know, that's a, a great thing. And when you are a leader who's who's practices these skills, it's, it's much like being a parent, which the joy comes not from the personal promotion but rather from seeing those around us get promoted and seeing those around us solve unsolvable problems and take care of each other. It's incredibly, incredibly proud to see how people rise.
0: And you want leaders to put people before they put numbers. They Th-
1: that is what good leadership is, you know. What
0: happens if they don't do that? Can they still success? C- be successful? Can they still make money as a as a business if they decide that the bottom line is more important, that making money or making profit is more important?
1: I mean, it, a, it depends on your definition of success. I believe in long term success. Um, you know, when I people who prioritize numbers before people, of course, they can be successful. Look around, you know, but they don't command loyalty. Um, that the, 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 it, it, it comes at high stress and, some, and, and very often uh, health challenges to their own, their own health as much as the health of the people who work with them because the stress is so high. But people who prioritize people over numbers tend to uh, enjoy longer success over time. I'll tell you a, an interesting story that captures this. So uh, for, uh, for in the United States Marine Corps, for uh, Marines who want to be officers... They, uh, when they go to a candidate school, one of the things they do is they go through something called the LRC, which is the Leadership Reaction Course. Basically, it's twenty mini-, mini obstacle courses, problem solving courses. You know, ten wet, ten dry. Like you have to take three planks of wood of different sizes and get across the water hazard, which is what they call a pond. With you know, pl- with you know, and get all your men and material across. You know and of all of the scores they keep they're constantly evaluating who, who the leader is and how they how, how they perform of all the scores they keep are no are no there's no place on the on the scorecard that says did they make it to the other side nothing not even a checkbox um, because the marines understand that what makes a good leader is not mission success what makes a good leader is the qualities of good leaders you know and they um, they understand that uh, bad leaders sometimes enjoy mission success, and good leaders sometimes suffer mission failure. And w- if you teach the, the qualities of good leadership, those leaders are more likely to succeed more often over time. But but succeeding once here and once there doesn't make doesn't make them good. And you've clearly been extremely successful in persuading people to
0: listen to you, to buy your product, and to hear you really. To what extent do you think you have had an impact on those millions, perhaps billions of people? How can you tell whether what you're saying, apart from just being bought and listened to, mm. is actually being acted on?
1: Well, look, it's I, I joke that it's embarrassing that I have a career. Yeah, I, know, I talk about trust and cooperation. There should be no demand for my work. But there is. And my books have been selling for 10 years now. And... Um, and I, and I think this is, I think that's part of it. The fact that my work still resonates and the fact that there's still demand for my message uh, means that there's, there's an appetite for these kinds of things. It means that people don't have those things. They want those things, and they're willing to... They want to learn about them, and they're willing to try, try things out. And I think there is a sea change. I think it's, it's, an, it's slow, as good, sticky progress usually is. It took 30 years for us to get to where we are now from the 70s and 80s. Longer, 40 years. Um, uh, And so it's going to take about that amount of time to to reverse it. But the the momentum is going in the right direction, which is what a movement is, right? We're moving people.
0: So if we stick with the idea of progress for a moment and your impact on progress, in 2017, I think it was you broke the internet. (laughs) You probably broke the internet more than once. But on this occasion, you were explaining in your terms why you think it is that millennials are so dissatisfied. Do you think... Since that explanation has been watched or listened to by so many millions of people,
1: anything has changed? The answer is yes. Um, just today I had a, a father walk up to me and said that their household has changed the way that they all consume social media and use their cell phones because of that talk. And that and the children in that household, the oldest being 15, and, there's, and then there's three other kids younger than that, um, are happier. They're enjoying uh, school more. Um, they're, they're they're developing skills that they didn't have before. Interpersonal skills. Um, the parents are more engaged in their kids' lives. You know, it's not just young people who are overly engaged and have an unbalanced uh, uh, relationship with with media, social media, and our, and our mobile phones. It's it's parents as well. It's adults as well.
0: And so, remind us
1: in brief
0: synopsis
1: just how destructive these modern technologies,
0: particularly mobile phones, can be to people of all ages.
1: So very, very simply, there's a chemical in our body called dopamine. Um, It is one of the pleasure centers in our body. And there are many healthy reasons to get dopamine. Um, Eating, um, uh, finding food, you know, uh, winning a game. These are all good and healthy reasons to feel good. There are also some unhealthy ways in which dopamine is released in our bodies. Drinking, gambling, um, drugs. And um, mobile phones and, and social media, um, and this is why we like getting a bing buzz and beep on our phone. It feels good. It's why we g- like getting likes. It feels good, you know. And it's why we crave it. Um, uh, the problem is uh, dopamine when it's a, when it is unbalanced can be very addictive, um, and most uh, addictions are dopamine-based addictions. Uh, s- mobile phones is most closely related to gambling, and especially for young people. Um, Young people need double the amount of dopamine to feel the same sense of goodness that we do as adults, um, which means they're drinking the equivalent of double the amount of alcohol. This is destructive. There was some, I'll get the exact numbers wrong, but you'll get the point. Um, There was a statistic that uh, children who discover alcohol before the age of 15, I think it was, um, uh, uh, 40% of them are likely to become a alcoholics, whereas if they wait till something like 19, that number plummets to something like 7%. Now, if you put social media or, or cell phones in there, that means young children who have an unbalanced num- access to cell phones before the age of 15 means 40% of them are likely to develop an addiction. That means they will struggle to develop coping mechanisms to deal with stress. Um, to to they'll, They will struggle to, to form interpersonal relationships and deep, meaningful relationships, deep trust just like any alcoholic. You know, it's the same thing. And they don't turn to a person in times of stress. They turn to a device, which is destructive.
0: And of course, you don't have to have grown up with a mobile phone for it no, to have a destructive not. influence on your, on your life. Given that we're talking or touching on balance, mm. if I were to ask you about what the key to a good work-life balance is, am I asking you the wrong question about life?
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think it's funny that people talk about work-life balance. Um, no amount of yoga will, will make your life more balanced you know um the imbalance is the sense of safety we feel we feel safe at home but we don't feel safe at work that's the imbalance it's um and that comes in many forms it's the quality of the relationships it's the quality of the trust it's how safe we feel Um, um and you know and it's got nothing to do with how many hours we work you know you can love your work and you'll work the same amount if not more hours than somebody who hates their work so it's not, it's, not the amount of, it's not the amount of holiday you're taking or the amount of yoga you're doing or the amount of hours you spend at the gym. It's, it's do you feel engaged uh, with the people and with the, the, the mission of the organization? That's what gives us fulfillment. So if we're having work-life balance, it's not a problem of, of holiday or time off. Um, it's a problem of, uh, of, of, of do we feel a part of, of the work itself.
0: And how hard do you think you have to work to be a successful
1: leader? It's it's as it's as difficult as as parenting. It's a it's a twenty four seven job. Um, you know, uh, it's it comes at personal sacrifice. Um, it means if somebody needs help, you stay late to help them. It means sometimes you take responsibility, always take responsibility when things go wrong, and when things go right, you distribute the credit. Um, it's often thankless. It's often lonely. Um, uh, it's um, you may put your own personal interests aside for the good of for those around you, um, you know it's 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 all the time. It's a lifestyle. I, I I don't like calling it a position. It's like being a parent has nothing to do. It's not just having a child. That that takes ten minutes. You know, uh, it's like getting a promotion is not what makes you the leader. It's the choice to live a lifestyle of a parent, where you 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 have to change. The, you can't just take a weekend away. You're not allowed to do that anymore. You can't just come home late and Go out with your mates anymore? That that doesn't. How, it's not how it works.
0: So how do you hold on to yourself then? Because a leader out of sync or mm. a leader overstressed mm. is not,
1: in my view, going to be a strong leader. Right. And this and this is and this is about uh, for the leader being able to form strong relationships themselves. It's about the leader being willing to ask for help. It's about the leader delegating and not putting the world on their shoulders. Um, but when when leaders are willing to ask for help, it it it, it does a remarkable thing.
0: Trust and safety are two important words mm-hmm. that I've picked up on you
1: using over the course of the last few minutes. How do you cope with fear? Um, so it's not about the... It's an, fear is not necessarily the problem. You know, we, we do things that are scary all the time. It's, it's you know, it's... And like, courage is not the absence of fear. It's being scared and doing it anyway. Um, and um, I, for one, believe courage is, for the most part, an external thing rather than an internal thing. You know, I, I, I've spent time with people who actually risk their lives um, uh, for their jobs and you ask them why do you do it and they all say the same thing because they would have done it for me it's, it's, it's not gut and country it's, it's person to the left and person to the right um, and uh, it's that feeling that someone has my back um, that gives me the courage to do difficult things so at work if we have the feeling that our boss has our back that if we screw this up we're not going to get fired we might get in trouble, but that's okay, you know, but we're not going to get fired. We actually feel safe. Like a kid who does something might get in trouble, but they're not going to be put up for adoption. That's not a fear. Um, and so when we feel safe, we will try and do big things. We will take more risks. Do you that's where innovation comes from, right? It, from risk. Do you feel that someone has your back? I do. I do. I'm very, very lucky um,
0: because support structures, I imagine, are important. Yeah, of course.
1: Who's and in your support structure? So m- the the folks on my team are remarkable. I'm extremely lucky to have such remarkable people on my team. Um, I have a couple of extremely close friends that I turn to um, in when I need it. Um, um, but the the biggest part is is the willingness to admit that you need the help. You know, I think I think I learned this lesson the hard way. Um, foolish is the leader who, who thinks they, A, can do it all themselves, or B, have to pretend that they've got everything under control. Um, they don't.
0: How do you deal with ego? Uh,
1: you should have close friends, especially the old friends who, who keep you in check. Is your ego in check? I mean, I have my bad days and my good <laughs> days. Uh, what's l- a, what's yeah, a bad I, day like? Look, I, I, I think that I, I'm m- my ego is in check Simply because I don't think it's... I don't think I'm... It's not a, It's not about me. Um, I, 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 it's, a, it's the message. To me, the message is way more important than I am. And that's the why. And that's all of it. It's the message of good leadership. It's the message of service. There's an entire section in the bookshop called self-help. There's no section in the bookshop called help others. And as social animals, I got some bad news for you. Doing it all yourself is the wrong course of action. You know, it's like diet books. The people who live in the self-help section... Like, that industry is growing. If it were working, it should be shrinking, right? Like, th- it's the service industry that's missing. It's, it's learning to take care of each other. It's learning to build trust. It's learning empathy. Where are these skills? And so I, for one, um, am much more interested in building the help others industry. Uh, and, and, and so... Um, so I what
0: you do is not self-help, then? No,
1: no, no. It's service. No, if, if somebody's coming to my work to figure this all out themselves and do it for themselves then the missing the point of my message and it's this is the leadership idea leadership is about others th- this is the idea of a servant leader isn't it isn't it's it? true what i found what i found is is that um, the true servant leaders uh, you know because we we find ourselves um, in service, no matter how senior they get, they still feel like they're in service to something even bigger than themselves, whether it's God or a cause or, 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 or some higher calling.
0: So follow leaders who follow others. Follow
1: leaders who follow something bigger than themselves. And, and I think that's, you asked about ego before, I think that is the best way to keep your ego in check, which is you never ever believe that you're the top. So who you're, do you follow? I believe in this cause. I believe in this vision. I believe in this, this cause that, that we can actually live in a world in which people feel uh, safe, fulfilled, and inspired. That, that is what I am following. That is what I'm driven by. Uh, that's my North Star. And it is way, way bigger than me. And I'm only a, 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 a cog in the machine. I'm a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. You know, it's not my picture. I'm just a piece of the puzzle.
0: There's a certain religiosity about the way you actually
1: speak. What happens
0: after death?
1: Hopefully you've, um, uh, you've lived a life and you've left an organization or a nation or a family in better shape than you found it, and other people see fit to pick up that torch and carry on where you left off. I think though our lives may be finite, life is infinite, and we get to make a choice how we want to live our lives. Do you want to live a life that when you die, it's finished? You don't get to take anything with you. You don't get to take your money or your house with you. Um, but you can leave something behind for others to carry on without you. And I think to to measure our our success not in terms of uh, absolutes, in terms of you know pounds earned or, 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 or cars bought or whatever, but to rather measure our success in terms of momentum, and and to see to die with confidence that others others will will carry on our work without us. Y- entrepreneurs suffer from this, you know, which is. The vast majority of small businesses, when, when the founder leader dies, so does the company. How many employees say, we, we want to do it without them because we believe in the cause even more than the job?
0: So there's quite a strong platonic urge in you, Simon, to leave some sort of footprint that is worthwhile.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I live in this world. I, uh, my family and friends live in this world. And, and I think that we can do better. You know, I think, I think we can do better than the world we've built. And wh- if, why not us? You know? Why shouldn't we have a crack at it? Um, um, I, I think to 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 be complacent is like admitting defeat, you know. And I think to be optimistic that we actually can make a difference if we band together and we all because I can't do it alone, you know. I'm a wind up monkey who stands on a stage, you know. Like like it's it's the people who 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 actually come who 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 build companies who work in companies who are growing in their careers they're moving up the ranks The they're the ones that have to build the organizations and take care of the people to put my ideas in practice and the ideas of others as well you know that, that will make the difference you know no, none of us can do it alone and if someone comes to you and says I want to change the world
0: as mm-hmm. I believe you think a lot of millennials would like to do mm-hmm. do you urge them to think
1: big or small to start with I, I think that the vision must be big but the steps have to be small um, um, or at least they have to start small right it's about momentum Um. Y- 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 the the vision when people come to me and say I want to change the world I'm a little cynical believe it or not I always say well what's the world you imagine well I don't know I'm looking for something no 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 you can't it's not like I'm you go to, you don't go from job to job to job to see is this the world you know um I you know the the thing that I think is is uh, is interesting is the concept of vision is we all p- especially this, this younger generation maybe all generations we put we put tremendous pressure on ourselves that we have to have vision. You don't have to have a vision. You have to find a vision. It doesn't have to be yours, but you have to find one. You know, Steve Jobs had a vision for a world in which um, individuals could stand up to Big Brother, right? He came up with that, and people who believed in that vision followed him and lived a life in that vein, and it became a bit more of a movement. You don't have to have a vision. You have to find a vision. You have to find something that is not for this year or for this job, but rather something you want to do for the rest of your life. And all the jobs you have will be different ways in which you will advance this exact same vision. Um, it's not about changing visions every time you change jobs. And
0: you found your vision clearly. Are you still open to asking the advice of others?
1: Of course. Of course I'm open to the advice of others, but my, but, I, but my vision is mine. And I'm singularly devoted to that vision and I have not wavered in it since, since, it, occurred, since it, it, it occurred to me that that would be w- something worth devoting my life to. And, and when people come to me with their visions, if I see that, that, that they're in parallel, we'll find an opportunity to work together. And if it's completely different, I wish them the best of luck, but, but it's not something necessarily I want to put time or energy again. And very finally, are you happy? I am happy. Um, of course, Uh, you know, and I'm happy because I'm surrounded by people who love me and I get to love. Um, you know, happiness is, is not a calculation. It's a feeling. And I think very often we forget that. Um, and the thing that will bring us joy and happiness is, is those relationships. I I met a guy, (laughs) I met a guy a few years ago. He's 21, 22 years old and he was in college at the time. And all the other people in the room, were, he was there and were making fun of him because he doesn't have a mobile phone, doesn't own one. So he's in cr- it's a complete pain in the ass to try and get hold of him. Um, and they were all mocking him and having their fun at his expense. And I asked a, a non-leading question when they were all finished poking fun. I said, are you jealous of anything in his life? And then I stopped and mm. waited for the answers. And they all they all unanimously said, yes, we're jealous of the quality of, res- of his relationships. Here's a non-leading question. Have you ever
0: suffered recently a crisis of self-doubt? Uh, yes. How do you cope with that?
1: Reach out for help. I called friends and said, I'm not sure I can do this. I called friends and said, I'm stuck. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. You know, I think um, I would rather suffer um, in the care of a friend than suffer alone.
0: Simon Sinek, a great pleasure to meet you.
2: This week's episode of the How To Academy podcast starred Simon Sinek and was hosted by Matthew Stadlin. It was produced by me, Vas Christodoulou. Simon's new book, The Infinite Game How Great Businesses Achieve Long Lasting Success, is out this October. Join us again next week when Hannah McInnes will be hosting a debate between two of the country's leading cognitive scientists on one of the most contested and politicised debates in the history of science. Do men and women have essentially different brains? That's next week on the How To Academy podcast. Thanks for listening.